Your Yoga Podcast. Welcome again to the Feed Your Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Yoga, and I'm so excited for our podcast today because we're going to dive a little bit into the concepts of awareness, health, and cannabis. You know, cannabis is a big word these days, not just in America, but here I'm sitting and offering this podcast today from Thailand. And I just saw an article in Thailand yesterday about the first United States cannabis dispensary for healing medicinal cannabis. And so I'm very excited to kind of touch and talk with an educator, a person who has experienced the power of awareness. Now we talk here in the Feed Your Yoga podcast on yoga ideas beyond just the yoga poses. And in yoga, we really develop a sense on how to look inward and how to develop a self-awareness. And yes, in the beginning, that awareness will take us to, from a place of discomfort, dis-ease, and unwellness to a place of ease, health, and happiness, which now touches on a much deeper essence on the meaning of life, which here, in my words, is the Gabe Yoga, is the real meaning of yoga, which is the bigger picture, the real reason why are we all here. Whether we get to that subject or not, we're still, in my opinion, are all connected through a wonderful plant that has been here for many, many years. And just because we're now starting to change it, let's see how my wonderful host, an incredible educator, an incredible personality, Ron Azulai, and I'm going to let him allow to introduce himself a little bit and share what he would like as I bring him to this space as an educator and cannabis professional. Yes. Hi. I'm so excited to talk in a whole different continent with you, your morning, my night. I'm here in the United States. Um, it is, has been quite a transformation this past couple of decades, the 21st century, when it comes to discussing things that have a lot of stigma behind them, cannabis being one of them, but also the idea of um, how we deal with our health and well-being overall. And one of the things that I've been focused on in my career, I've been a first grade teacher, I've been a reading coach, I've worked in different fields, and I've done a lot of advocacy work, a little bit of lobbying. And today I'm learning a new skill as it comes to cannabis and using cannabis to go within and be more aware of how my self, if you will, my mind, my body, my well-being is every single day. And that introspective work, I think, has been fundamental to the idea of me as a teacher helping people learn skills like reading or math if it's first graders or improving on reading skills. And now I'm applying it to myself. And I find that to be one of the most rewarding experiences in this global pandemic. We're all experiencing a first global pandemic. We're all seeing the impact it has on all of us and how important it is to individualize our own world to ourselves. Exactly. So I'm very excited to be here with you, Gabe. Me too. And we have a connection that goes from our early childhood. This is my brother from the same mother. And so I've had a chance to see my brother both 
grow as a person, but also I've seen him grow as someone who learns how to pay attention towards healing. When he fell ill and almost died about six, seven years ago, um, that was a catastrophe to realize that my brother had cancer, a very rare form of leukemia. And as the years progressed, especially for me as a health coach and someone who preaches about um, how to eat better, how to pay attention to what's going on, how different foods can help the body. I remember when we had a conversation about the consequences of just having to go through chemotherapy and that it made you feel like it's like getting drunk. And at the time, as a health coach with ideas that, oh, green juices will help your blood circulations. And if you have leukemia, well, green, the more green vegetables you'll eat. And you looked at me and you're like, look, dude, when I eat vegetables, I'm going to puke and I feel worse. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, forget ideas. That's a great awareness. The preaching of bioindividuality in my work as a health coach isn't about, oh, eat this food because everyone's supposed to eat it because it's healthy, but rather the suggestions of how to pay attention to what's happening with what we eat with what we put into our bodies. And that made me aware of your skills and self-awareness that for me is yoga. The ability of learning and paying attention to what's happening in the baby toe, to what's going on in our body because of how we slept, what we ate, what we're doing is yoga. And cannabis can also bring us attention to that. Would you like to speak a little bit about those transitions and how that happened in your experience? Yeah, I'd love to. I think what you said about uh, bio-individuality while including within it the biodiversity of the world is very relevant to myself. In 2012, I was diagnosed here in Omaha, Nebraska, which is a flyover state. A lot of people don't think about Omaha, Nebraska, except for this weekend with the Berkshire Hathaway. It's called the Woodstock for capitalism because of Warren Buffett. But other than that, it's not really known for a lot. And at the same time, the hospital where I was living only a few blocks away, when I went in and became diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, which like you said, is one of those blood cancers that doesn't affect that many people overall, maybe 200,000 people a year. Now we're a country of 450 million, 200,000. It's a, it's not, it's a big number, but it's a drop in the bucket of cancers. There's a lot of different types of cancers. The hospital ended up going to the emergency room for Nebraska medicine ends up being one of the top three hospitals for blood cancers. And it is one of the hospitals that received an Ebola patient back in 2014 to treat. And that Ebola patient stayed on the same floor where I was hospitalized. So the random of life bringing me to the right place. Also incorporated within it, a few months later, one of the uh, medicines to cure or to tackle the leukemia I had is chemotherapy and radiation. And another one is a stem cell transplant. Now to receive a stem cell transplant, you have to find a donor. And that donor, they begin with family members and our sister, our youngest sister was a 100% match, which is very rare as well. Usually a lot of people have to find a donor that's 92% match, 93% match. 
mine was available. My sister was willing and able. But what it introduced to the body then is a very specific side effect, which is called graft versus host. The graft versus host is similar to any transplant, a kidney transplant, a heart transplant. It's the body as the host rejects the graft, the introduced foreign object, if you will. Mine happen to be stem cells. So the body is producing stem cell that the body doesn't recognize. It leads to various forms of resistance. It is tackled quite heavily with some very strong pharmaceutical medications. And that's just a necessity because the body can't fight on its own. But the graft versus host is very individual to my own life. And very early on, I discovered that if I use several aspects of my life correctly or with ample awareness on that one day at a time, I have a compounded kind of interest accumulated that if one day I get up and I have a bad day, I'm aware that the next day I can get up and build from there. It's not like I have a destination in mind. It's that every day needs certain routines and I get to establish them. And wow. those routines include sleeping, waking, exercise, nutrition, and stress reduction, because what goes inside the mind can affect the body. But it also includes an awareness that at some point I was taking 60 different medications. Each medication comes with a list of side effects. Now, if you're curious, every single side effect has similar 10. Every single medication has a similar 10 side effects, and they include nausea and constipation. Now, how would you know what are you going to have if you're taking the same medication every day? One day you have nausea, one day you have constipation, one day you have diarrhea, one day you feel like you can't get out of bed, another day you have excess energy and you can't sit still. You have to find a way to neutralize yourself daily and receive a certain level of balance, if you will. And that balance can come out of three things. And one of the biggest elements of the balance is, like you said, is being aware at every moment and asking myself, what am I feeling right now in my body? And what does my body need from the tools that I know to access? And that daily work, like you're saying about, and you've taught me very well over the years since you've discovered yoga, I've been I'm not a yogi like you, but one of the things that I've really appreciated, especially during my hard days, was the technique of breathing to, to become aware of sensations. It's almost like an objective observation of what the body needs and is doing. What is the mind doing while I remain focused on the, breath, on the breath work? That helped a lot. Exactly. I still do it to this day. Fantastic. And everything you pointed out, I would say that you are a great yogi. Because the way, in my words, of your yoga, it was all that you described, that slow process, that daily awareness of being in the moment, of recognizing that moment by moment, day by day, things are going to be different. 
And for especially in the pandemic that we just had and continue to go through, if we were living in China, we would still have to try to figure out how do we deal with this tension that is still daily? How do we stay calm? How do we stay and aware? And of course that there's going to be changes. The idea of everyday changes. Look, the moon and the sun, it doesn't stay sunshine every day. Right. And as much as in Thailand, it stays warm all year round, <laughs> it just doesn't normally stay in the same temperature either. Right. And learning to both accept these daily changes, as well as recognize that there is something larger, is the path of yoga. In the aspects now, we're looking at the consequences and the, and the way, the direction of well-being which begins with awareness. Without awareness, without learning to pay attention to what's going on, we can start the road towards health and well-being. But then as you pointed out, you're taking 60 pills. How are you aware of what's going on between each and every one? How did, how did you develop both the skill was through the daily paying attention to what does each of these medicines do for me? I'm gonna take the time to really notice and that's not going to take one day. It's not going to take one week. And I really think I remember you sharing with me that the reason you were really doing that because you really wanted to get off of that. And then suddenly, even though it was illegal and still sadly not available legally in Nebraska, you were able to get from your hospital the cannabis pills. And by recognizing that, wait, cannabis can have a way to help me reduce the amount of pills that other people are giving me. And now, almost seven years after your amazing surgery of recovery with my DNA, our thank you, thank you. Um, you're, you're really shared with me how, in some ways, through cannabis, you were able to pay attention to and the power of cannabis to help people find a better well-being. Would you like to comment on that and how that shares? Oh, I would love that? to. I would really love to. One of the things that I think... I've learned because I worked in public schools in New York and in Omaha and the type of public schools I worked in, urban, low income, you know, um, sometimes violent neighborhoods. One of the things that you learn is how to access a sense of control to give and provide stability so that a child who comes into a school in a chaotic environment, it may not be their own home, but the environment of poverty is often filled with chaos and anger. The school has to become a safe space for that child to be a child, for that child to laugh, for that child to not feel that they're a target and for the child find curiosity in everything that they do, but also an appreciation for the others around them. I worked in elementary school. I didn't work in middle schools. That's a whole different animal. But in elementary schools, one of the things that happens is kids experience life to its various degrees. Sometimes a parent gets cancer and passes away. Sometimes a kid gets sick, breaks an arm. There are things that happen in a daily life outside of school that may have something happen on a Saturday and I only find out about it on Monday because I don't live in that neighborhood. I traveled to that school. But I always have to be present because it is not my neighborhood. I have the means to live elsewhere. 
This is just where I work. But I accept the chaos in that child's life. And therefore, I have to work with, not against, whatever is brought to the school. I applied the same thinking when I was in the hospital to the idea of as soon as I got into the hospital and discovered what I had, I started to look at myself as a science experiment. I'm no longer mine. I, mine is the host. We're trying to get rid of the host. The graft is what the hospital is currently doing. And my job is to make their experiments successful. It's not about me anymore. It's about making sure that the nurse feels appreciated when she goes home because she can see progress. And I understand what progress and monitoring means. So I just applied that lens to myself. And I thought, okay, I'm a human being experiencing a debilitating illness right now. But I'm not the first human being to experience this illness, nor am I the first human being to experience this illness right now. Other people are experiencing this illness everywhere, in Yemen, in Russia, in Saudi Arabia. Leukemia is a human illness. We don't know if animals get it too, I'm sure they do, but it is a blood-borne illness. A regular thing happened in your body that went awry and your body dealt with it the best way that it could by shutting itself down. Just like when a virus infects a computer, it tells you, I'm not working. There's a virus in me, shut me down. <laughs> and sometimes you have to go buy another one. <laughs> but you, my body in the same way. <laughs> that's right. But in this case, I was fortunate enough to quote unquote, buy a new one because a donor was able to fill me back in. So now a double duty is occurring. My body is doing something unfamiliar to me whatsoever because I don't know this body that's fighting this disease. The body I did know wasn't fighting the disease. It was falling apart, which is what I landed in the hospital with, right? So now I had a double duty. One is to get to know my body again. And the other is to get the body to know its environment. Is, but the environment was brand new now. I, I got to decide what environment will my body know. When it comes to medication, I understood there's a regiment of medications that starts with chemotherapy and it goes all the way to immune suppression medications and um, the kind of medications that helps the graft not be fought against by the body. It lets it calm down, if you will. So the entire process of the medical team around me was to get my body to remain calm so that my body could do the work efficiently, including fight itself, because without fighting, it can't be a winner, the graft. But if it's not fighting, the process isn't really working. That's where we are with medication today. But I started to look back and I realized 50 years ago, people who were diagnosed with leukemia, and we're talking 1970, I'm talking about like 1800. In 1970, if you were diagnosed with leukemia, they found you a nice place to go and retire because you're not gonna make it. They didn't know what to do with you. They, that was the dead end of the medication. Wow. We have made leaps and bounds in the last 40, 50 years in medication, 
But then we made even more leaps and bounds in the last decade because knowledge accumulates and builds another knowledge. So the technology allowed the science to discover even more individualized processes and how to help. So the medication I was taking, although similar to other people, may have been in different dosages. So I may have been on high steroids for a brief period of time to fight a rash or an infection. But if I worked very hard on my nutrition and exercise and stabilizing my body, I could start to reduce the milligram amount of the steroids I was on. So I started to play around with that idea. But there was one medication that I think was very holistic to the whole process. It's a synthetic form of cannabinoid, which is called Marinol. It is used to treat nausea, but one of its main beneficial side effect is joy. It makes you high. And I understand being high can make you happy. Other people, it scared them because it was, they weren't familiar with, it's a very strong pill. It's not a smoke the joint. It's like, it's a very, very strong pill meant for people that were going through what I was going through. But by introducing the idea of joy, it allowed me to introduce the idea of community because joy alone is fun, it's great. But sharing your joy with other people gives you a boost of dopamine and adrenaline that lets you think, you know what, maybe I only met somebody for a coffee for an hour, but now I have energy the next day to do it again, maybe with somebody else. And you open yourself up to the universe in sometimes short bursts, but they lead to greater growth. It's not an easy process. This opening it is, is yes. the course. It's not. It's not. And that side is the yoga, in my words, the yoga side of the challenge that even people are healthy. And that's why it's so inspiring to talk with you. Because even people are healthy and they go around the idea of being opening. And in the yoga vocabulary, as you pointed out about, oh, I'm going to look at the nurse. I'm going to put myself in her shoes. I'm going to try to think of other people. Or again, right. I'm going to recognize that I have a body, but I am not the body. And for you, especially where you are like, well, this is a new body. So it's definitely, there's got to be something else. I'm going to focus on the else that observes the body. And that else is the same in all in the yoga vocabulary. The ability of looking out at others because we're the same. So I'm going to come to you. And whether we use the word joy for that, or we use the word one for that, or we use the word yoga for that. Those are all just words, but the work, the daily work of staying calm in the, in the chaos, of opening ourselves up to others, that's hard work, as you're also sharing in a time where your body's tension, you have to deal with medications. And if I'm hearing correctly, yes, you had a little boost there from the Marinol, that yes, a lot of people, when they experience the sense of joy that lies inside of them, they get afraid. That's a, even the yoga books talk about that. That's like, wow, you're afraid to be who you really are. The- well, I tell you, the thing that is, there's two things that are happening when you become sick and decide that this is all there is. 
this is sickness is all you have right now. You don't know if you'll get better. I spent almost four and a half months in a hospital bed, in a room. I wasn't allowed off the floor. My mom, as my caregiver, stayed, but she could leave the floor. I had to stay in bed. Everything around me worked for me, but I didn't know what the nurse knew. I didn't know what the doctor at 9 a.m. when they were doing their rounds. I didn't go to school to study what they studied. I went to school to study how to teach first and third graders, right? Like my joyful days was like in the lunchtime, like, yeah, I'll get to supervise lunch and eat some chicken nuggets with the kids, right? And then they tell you funny stories. And then you get to be immersed in a child's world, if you will. But you also get to, I have to supervise outdoor activities after lunch. So you don't play with the kids, you supervise. Sometimes the kids, the kids are immersed in their own world and that's their world. And I applied the same thing when I was coming out of the hospital to say, okay, I'm going to be immersed in my own world. But to be immersed in my own world means I have to both understand my ups, mood swings, body swings, mental swings, and my very, very deep downs, depression, anxiety, overwhelming fears, sensations that are, we all have them as humans, but when you look at them close up, you have to find a way to think. You're not the first, I wasn't the first human beings to contemplate these things. And I had to rely on past people through different sharings, reading what people in the 1500s wrote about going through the black plague, like people survived that plague. And they wrote about that experience. And it wasn't a lot of fun for them, you know, watching like whatever was going on in the 1500s. We learn from the experiences of others and by exploring and actually taking the time to see what others experienced in the fields of awareness. That's right. What we in yoga call svadhyaya, self-knowledge. Self-knowledge. Now, I knew that the medications that my doctors and nurses were giving me my entire medical team, whether it's 60 pills or dropping it down to the eight that I had to be with for the majority of the time after the first year, none of them took those medications. <laughs> and chemists, you know, science is big. There's chemistry, there's biology, there's new neurons, there's brain, there's liver. People specialize in some of the minute aspects of a human self. But those minute aspects play a critical role in your well-being. It's not like the person who studies your liver misses the fact that you're a human being. It's just that they focus on the liver because the liver does a very vital function in your body. Ask anybody else to do dialysis. And dialysis is a very... If the science is brand new and exciting, the tools we use for science are a cake. To be on dialysis, because I had the pleasure of being on dialysis, is to have two machines that look like they fell off an 1800 wagon, making so much noise, you expect them to just blow up in front of you. And it is a slow process. It cleans your liver. It has to take things out, clean them, and then put things back in. It can take six to eight hours where you're hooked up to a machine that sounds like 
clink, 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 clink. And you don't know what it's doing. That's right. That's right. So the thing that you have to always remember is that you're the balancer of the science and the tools. You have to take in the chemotherapy through a needle, either in a vein or through a port like I had. But then you also have to leave the hospital afterwards and get your ass home. <laughs> you have to do that. They plugged you in, they pressed go, and they'll sad, they'll bring you some OJ. But at the end of the day, you have to go home after that. What are you gonna do on the car ride home if an emergency happens? Do you have the things you need to not fall apart? Uh, food, bottle of water, maybe there's like uh, pivoting, the person driving you has to make a stop and it's very hot. Do you have a hat? Those things become part of the game of life that I utilized. And one of the main things, right? Also internally. Very, right? I had to know that too much heat can cause me to feel like a raisin in the sun. I become dehydrated in seconds. And if I don't have cold water in my hand and a bite to eat in two walks, I become hangry. And anybody who's experienced a person who has hanger, angry, hungry, knows that it is not fun. Right. So correct. All of us, this is not about, the, for me, yoga is the application to regular life in this podcast. And again, the beauty, again, where I say is you are yogi, in my words, where being able to pay attention that I will become hanger and know to catch myself before it happens and do something. That's right. Those of us who come from a place of not well, so people with diabetes also learn over time to notice, but yogis, our job is to discover, to use our tools of asana, breathing, to develop these tools of when I'm throwing off balance, because internally the sense of balance is always there, it gets thrown off when I'm not aware. And whether That's I need right. to eat, again, so eat something. Why did you get yourself to that place where you're so off balance that you created an Amber Hearst and Johnny Depp situation, but we'll leave, we'll leave no, that No, don't. We won't go there, right? Those people have not what you're talking about. But I will say this, and this is the key aspect. One of the biggest challenges of whether you're utilizing cannabis for health, and by cannabis, I live in a prohibited state the United States is going through its own legalization transformation versus Canada that currently is just legal. It's recreationally legal. And therefore it allows the mental health community to look at it not as another tool versus only pharmaceutical medications that may offer a one side approach, but a host of side effects. Cannabis may offer a whole host of benefits with limited side effect, depending again on how you use it and with what intention and purpose. Fun is a purpose. Being joyful is a purpose. But sometimes you want to use it for creativity, for sleeping better, for lessening rumination, especially if you're if you're suffering from anxiety or from if your body flares up. Cannabis can be utilized in small dosage to help alleviate that. And you don't have to smoke it. CBD can be added to a shake or a coffee and gives you a certain sense of relief. 
But you can't have a sense of relief if you don't know what you need relief from. And one of the things that I had with medication is I don't know what prednisone does. It's a strong steroid, but is it strong at two and a half milligrams or at 50 milligrams? Marinol comes in five milligram pills. It's pretty strong, but sometimes I would take two at a time, 10 milligrams, because I just needed to not get out of bed because the body needed to heal and I couldn't put any more pressure on it. Now, when you're on medications, and this includes cannabis, if you're using it therapeutically, just like yoga, you're not doing yoga for eight hours every single day. Some people might, but if you're choosing to use it as a centering, as a grounding piece, you have to know when you need it to be grounded first. You can start a routine by saying, I'll do it at eight o'clock every morning or seven o'clock every morning. But maybe the three o'clock is when you're off balance and your mind goes a little whack because you both need a snack and you need to sit for 10, 15 minutes and calm and allow your body to calm down because that day may have been very busy for you. But that's an individual process. The tools are available to you. You have to be able to dose them to your own needs. And use them correctly. You and use them food. correctly. This is so when you're on pharmaceuticals, one of the biggest issues is how to get off of them. But you don't, not sure why you're on them in the first place or why you're on a certain amount. So there are some medication that, that you have to go through a process of titration, which is dose control. Sometimes your body flared up because the season has changed and you got some weird bug. And for other people, it's just like a couple of sneezes. And for you, it's three weeks in bed. So now we have to up a medication to help your body not overextend itself. But then you want to come off the medication and that's a slower process. It's easy to put you on a lot more. It's a lot harder because it's not as safe to just take you off of it. Sometimes you need to go very slowly down. So I can look at a certain year that I had where it the entire year was about reducing a medication, seven and a half milligrams. That's beautiful. Seven and a half milligrams. That's a slow progression. I think there's a lot of perspective today with the internet and everything of speed, 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 where yoga, and especially in the yoga world, was like, oh, I started yoga. Why am I not flexible tomorrow? I'm like, well, right. And then also in the aspect of like, well, I've been doing yoga for two years, but you know, now it's just, um, I mean, I got my heart rate. I like spinning now. And so it's great to use tools, but also understanding of the fact that wait, time, and there's a need right. for exploration across time and yoga could be used as a physical training, but yoga is an awareness and awareness is across time. And it doesn't just right. happen today and it doesn't get perfected. It maintains and it expands. And your time is truly, time. if you allow yourself to think of your time as infinite versus finite, like I was saying about being sick, you have to think this is it. This is as best as I can be. I don't have leukemia anymore. The chemotherapy took care of that. Now I have a new disease because I don't have leukemia anymore. 
but I'm not sure if this disease that I now have, this set of medication, you have to balance the two truths. These may be the medication I have to take for life, and this is my physical ability forever. So what can I do with it? And the other truth, I'm going to get over this, and I'll get to a point in which I won't need any of these. And they're both true. That's what allows you to think of it as a one day at a time, because you might be taking the same medication every day. But maybe today you ate a little better, or maybe today you were able to stretch a little more. Maybe today you did two walks and not just one walk. Maybe today you washed your face. I don't know. But with the yoga aspect is that every day when I get up, because today I, I do yoga and I engage in meditation to relieve some of the anxiety that comes from extensive usage of medication, some of the PTSD from the experience, and a whole lot of other anger issues that I might carry with me due to, it's a pandemic, I'm immunocompromised, I don't really leave the house. My wife and I, you know, we're both concerned about the direction of COVID in the United States right now. And it, it's a scary process to be in, but it doesn't feel like it's a shared process as it was in the beginning. So we have to utilize a lot of effort to be grounded in our day so that we remain committed to the idea of safety and well-being. So when I do yoga today, first I have to discover how do my feet feel when I stand up? And if I'm leaning down, do my shoulders really hurt? Am I crunching them up? It's like a resetting of the body on a daily process. When I go to sleep, even though I don't physically do yoga, when I lie in my bed before I go to sleep, the first thing I do is I check in. I take a deep breath and I slowly exhale and I try to feel, is my neuropathy acting up tonight? Because it might be a little humid outside. Do I need something to help calm some of my active body? Maybe I ate too late at night or maybe I'm doing something else. And that can take a certain level of uh, checking in for about 10 minutes. And then I fall asleep. I may wake up a couple hours later, but at least I've allowed myself to reconsider myself at this moment. Not what did I do all day? Just what's going on with me right now? And not try to attach any meaning to it. I, I can't say my heart is racing because earlier today I said something I didn't mean. It. That will, that's the rumination aspect. I can't say right now I want to go to sleep, but my heart is racing. So what tools do I have to slow down my racing heart? Maybe I have active thoughts. Well, can I just meditate and remove them so that I can go to sleep and let it all go? Now, when it comes to cannabis, because I haven't been on medication for over a year now, but I utilize the cannabis plant, which comes in many forms. We're learning many things about them. One of the most exciting things is I'm in a cannabis coaching institute right now, learning to become a cannabis health coach. One of the most interesting things I discovered was that THC and CBD and many other forms were discovered in Jerusalem by an Israeli chemist, Raphael Meshulam, who doesn't approach the plant from a place of science, if you will, of how will it help you. 
he approaches the plant from an investigative of why does this plant do what it does and the other plants don't. So what is about this plant that fits in with the human body and locks in place in the right process for the individual, but provides a sense of relief, anti-inflammatory, not anti-nausea, maybe eases some of the anxiety, topically may help relieve skin rashes and burns. And what is it about this plant? Being from Jerusalem, but discovering it in Omaha, Nebraska, lets me re rediscover the sense that we're all connected through time and space. If we focus on the same knowledge that we're gaining, the yoga that you practice or the yoga I try was developed five, 8,000 years ago by people exploring the same questions that we're using these tools to explore today. Why are we here? What are we doing with ourselves? And can we find a way to be here and not float away in our minds being distracted? We don't all live by a river and drink the water and fish and, you know, we live in society and society requires us to be tense. So how do we fight against it? We can use the tools of yoga and cannabis because they both allow us to set an intention and say, I'd like to be present and grounded. And I'd like to find ways that don't offer me even more side effects than what I already have in the world I inhabit. Correct. These questions of where did we come from? What are all these things are here for? From the Ayurveda side of trying to look at the plants and everything in life and how it supports and benefits the direction of all life. And the idea of yoga that we as life, there's something that connects it all. And we have to actually work to do it. I mean, it requires a sense of practice, a desire to be that aware, that self-consciousness. And the various tools that we have, whether it's breathing, whether it's eating, as you pointed out to them, in the time in the world that we live in today, we're not fed with a direction for that. We have to take self-responsibility. And that's why I'm so excited that I had you on my show today. And for me, again, where it was a reason to bring a person like you with the way you look at health, wellness, and cannabis. Oh, it's fantastic. Self-awareness and development that support whoever was listening. And yes. And if I can mention one more thing before we end, you start off by saying about the green juices. And what I remember telling you at the time was, I'm fed pharmaceuticals. The green juices are for when I'm off pharmaceuticals to cleanse myself from the toxicity that I inevitably have to utilize right now to get to that end point. But in the last three, four, five years, greens, smoothies, utilizing nutrition to drive my body, to fuel it, revolved around two aspects of recognizing on the one hand that we live in a climate change world and it's impacting our food system. And two, we live in a capitalistic world and that's also driving our food system. So if I don't know what I'm putting in my body and if I don't know what my body needs and wants, I'm doing myself a disservice. So I accept that my, my body is gonna crave sugar 
But that doesn't mean I have to go and eat the junkiest food. It can mean I can invest in a good chocolate bar, dark, 80%, and have one bite. So it also involves the idea of like, hey, body, you work for me. You have cravings? That's great. I don't have to satisfy every craving you have because you're a body. You inevitably need me to tell you what you can and cannot eat. Now, it doesn't mean I don't reach for that M&M or that candy bar every once in a while. But we live in a world today in which a similar candy bar can exist that doesn't have as much bad stuff in it, but it's still an M&M. Correct. I can have a burger that's not from a fast food, but that I know where that meat came from. And then I control what goes into my body. It is not an accident that certain fast food restaurants emit a scent into the air when you drive past it between 11 and one, they want you to come in and this is how they distract you. And in a world of distractions, yoga, cannabis, well-being involves the idea of, I will not allow my body and mind to become distracted for someone else's profits. Well, I'm not going to allow myself to be not aware. If I'm yes, aware, that's a better way to say I, it. I, absolutely. I, yes, you know, absolutely. If I, smell, if I smell the burger and I'm like, wow, you know what? I have a craving for, bur for Burger King, regardless of the fact that I know the consequences if I have a choice. And if I'm making the choice, I can walk in and say I made the choice. And that's then I can right. allow myself to accept whatever choice my digestive system feels after. This is not right. anything down. It's more about asking the listener to develop that type of self-awareness not the judgment but rather pay attention Ooh, that triggered me wow what triggered you now i want this okay now i took that how did that affect me did that's I get right angry? did i get depressed was it how can i how can i recognize that that consequence is just consequences was i hungry before mind, i left the house what if i me, ate before i left yes it's part of me that isn't the mind or the body and That's I can right. allow myself to rest as that part that observes the consequences to the body, that observes the consequences to the mind. That's and then right. it can stay in a sense of peace. And it's, That's right. I Listen. Love, I love using yoga quotes from the past. And one of them is, we come from a place of inner joy. From That's that place right. we arrive. And it's from that place that we are sustained in this experience of life. That's and then right. Whatever, want to go back to that place and when you see yourself in other people and you see other people in yourself you relax at that sense of joy that you are and the whole experience of life is to give us that discord that dance the opportunity to discover that sense of peace because if you're just in that sense of peace well you're in, you're in it but it's in this experience of life and sharing and listening and so is how we allow ourselves to connect. And in some ways, I'm going to bring back from my years of college that cannabis was a way of bringing people together. That's true, too. That's and true, too. However you'll use cannabis, I hope you enjoyed this chat. I'm really excited that you and I had this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Just cannabis in this chat. Would you like to say any last words for these listeners before we say namaste? 
I think this is an amazing opportunity. I hope we can do this again. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to seeing what else and you come up with through your podcasts and activities. And as soon as I can travel, I'm looking forward to being able to come visit you. <laughs> in our retreat yoga center. So again, for your listeners, I am here in Thailand. We have a retreat yoga center right on the beach where we do lead yoga retreats, mindfulness centers. And if Thailand opens this cannabis experience, we're going to try to bring some cannabis and yoga retreats with the teachings as you finish this degree. I'm so excited. And yes, I would like again next time, I think we'll dive in a little bit more on the knowledge and stuff that you bring from that, the THC and the, and the CBD. But exactly, that, we'll get the feedback from our listeners. I so hope so. In the air, we hopefully brought you everyone to the awareness that there's more to your mind and your body. And thank you for listening. My brother, Ron Azulai, to everyone listening, namaste. Namaste. One love. <laughs>